444 for November 2016, and you're listening to the SpidermanCrawlspace.com podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm interviewing Jerry Conway on this episode, what music would be perfect to open it up? Well, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters, Conway killed a blonde, well actually the goblin killed a blonde over a bridge, and it was infamous, we're still talking about it. So I thought this song just fit perfectly. All right, gang, before we get on with our episode, I want to ask for your support. Log on to our front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look for a widget and button on the right-hand side of the site that says support this site via PayPal. And you can help us pay the bandwidth costs that it takes to host 400-plus MP3s up on our server. All right, gang, I've been looking forward to this one for years. Let's listen and talk to Jerry Conway. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to a special edition. I'm interviewing one of my favorites. We've got Jerry Conway on the line. Jerry, thank you so much for talking to us. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Well, we've uh, first let's go a little bit over his spider history. Uh, Jerry's, uh, correct me, Jerry, if I'm wrong. Uh, it looks like the first Spider-Man work that you did was Marvel Team-Up 2 with a cover date of May 72. Is that right? That sounds about right, okay. yes. And you wrote... Team up off and on until about fifty-two, which is December seventy-six. Right, there was a big period where yeah. I didn't write it. Right, but, uh, yeah, the, but the, I think I wrote the first twelve issues or so, uh-huh. uh, and then there was a jump. And then while you were doing team up off and on, you were writing the main book, the Amazing Spider-Man book, with the uh, issue one eleven, with the cover date of August seventy-two, and that was a follow-up to the Gibbon story. So you you were finishing yep. off a Stanley story. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that it made it a lot easier. <laughs> he wrote part one, you part, part two. And uh, you wrote until uh, Amazing 149, which wrapped up the first clone saga of many in eight, October of 75. And uh, you got the job, if my research is correct, at age 19. Is that right? Yep. yep. How, did, how in the world did you get that job? I, you would think there'd be a fight for Stanley's replacement. Well, the weird thing was at that, at that time at Marvel. Uh, you, you, I think we had three, yeah, three full-time writers, including Stan, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of freelancers uh, who did an occasional issue. So the the three writers were Stan, yeah. Roy, and me. Right. Uh, and when Stan started dropping books, the natural progression was, you know, down that uh, down that uh, pole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Roy. Roy would get the first uh, crack at it, and mm-hmm. books that he. But but Roy was very involved at that point in writing uh, Conan, right. and that was that was his obsession, and uh, he saw that I think rightfully as as his masterwork. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> and he was also writing the Avengers. Yeah, and he and Roy, as you can tell from his career, loves uh, team up books and yeah. uh, fantasy. So that that pretty much was all he wanted to do. So the first book that, that became available uh, when Stan started to peel off his uh, his writing assignments was mm-hmm. uh, Thor, uh, and I took that one over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess they were I guess I took that over about a about six months to a year before I took over Spider Man. 
right. and they were happy happy with what I was doing. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and Roy had done a couple of fill-in issues of Spider-Man, didn't really enjoy writing the character. So mm. when Stan said, you know, I'm, I'm handing it off, uh, I was the next in line. Did it, so, did it feel like you won the comic book lottery, or are you 19? <laughs> oh, and it, did, sure. did, I mean, that's just amazing, literally. <laughs> oh, it was literally. Well, I, I had read Spider-Man yeah. practically from the first issue. Uh, I think. I think I found a copy of uh, Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. I guess it was uh, nice. uh, in my in in a junk shop for <laughs> like a dime. Oh wow! Uh, at, at that time, I think issue number five was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> from the very beginning, I was a big Spider-Man fan. It was the first comic book that I subscribed to, wow. and they used to send it to you of, in a folded up. Uh, envelope, which yeah, was really, like a Playboy or something, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and which was really kind of I I hated it, you know. I mean, yeah. on the one hand, I loved the idea that I was assured of getting every issue, uh, yeah, but they but beat, I hated beat it, it up, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, so I immediately, you know, after that after that first subscription, I went back to buying them at the newsstand. So yeah, I was I was really excited. This was this was uh, this was like winning the lottery. Did you totally. do you still have that dime copy of Amazing Fantasy fifteen? Oh God, no. Oh <laughs> I, I <laughs> No, I, I sold off uh my collection several times. You know, yeah. I mean I, I would uh the, the the first time I had a, a full almost a full set of Marvel books in the early nineteen sixties, my mom got angry at me one day and threw them threw them out. Oh, uh, so that that, was that's every cool. kid's nightmare. They they tell oh, horror it, stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, yeah. it absolutely happened to me. I mean, it was, it was oh, like man. I, 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 I to this day it's one of the most traumatic moments of my life. <laughs> then I recreated the collection uh, yeah. bit by bit over the next five or six years wow. as I started writing comics and making money. Mm-hmm. And it, then in my in the early seventies, I sold it off again. Yeah. And then I went back a third time. Uh, and developed the collection again in the mid-70s. Uh, and when I moved to California, that was just too much stuff to take with me. Mm. So I sold it all off to Al Milgram. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you kept it in the family, kind of, I guess. I yeah. did. I did yeah. <laughs> well, I, in doing research, I'm going to list off all the things that you introduced in your run that shaped Spider-Man's history that are still used to this day. I'm going to list them real quick. You killed, okay. Gw- you killed Gwen, you killed Norman, you made Peter and Mary Jane a couple, Spider-Man clones, 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 the Spider-Mobile, you helped create the Punisher, Man-Wolf, Gloria Grant, you made Harry crazy and a goblin, you invented the Chelsea apartment, which I love, and Miss Muggins, and the, man- <laughs> the Man-Wolf, and I played that power record so many times as a kid. Uh, the jackal, the grizzly, and mineworm, and a uh, hammerhead tarantula. You had Aunt May marry, almost marry Doc Ock for control of a right. nuclear power plant. Right. And uh, the molten man was revealed to be Liz Allen's brother. That right. is a lot in your yeah. run. My goodness. So and that was in three years. <laughs> I know. That, not, not Maybe two or three of those happens in three years in modern comics. Uh, yeah, let's break some of those down. Uh, I think personally, the best thing you ever did to Gwen was kill her. <laughs> Do you did you well, dislike well, the character too, or explain a little bit? Well, the weird. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I, I as I said, I was a Spider-Man fan from right. the beginning, and I actually uh, 
started to move away from reading Spider-Man regularly around the time that Gwen was introduced. Mm. Uh, Part of the reason I, I, I lost interest was because it became clear that Gwen was going to be the the romantic interest for Peter rather than Mary Jane. And I felt kind of blindsided by that as a, as a fan uh, because it was so clearly set up that Mary Jane was supposed to be Peter's girlfriend. Exactly. And the, then yeah, the blonde yeah. didn't have the entrance that the redhead did, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, Gwen, uh, the, the main reason that Gwen became, and, and I, this is me doing a little bit of psycho, uh, uh psychotherapy, which, mm-hmm. which is always, always silly. Uh, <laughs> is that, Stan wanted uh, Peter to, to end up with the kind of woman that, that he ended up with. Mm. Uh, Gwen is, is kind of based on uh, Stan's wife, Joan. You right. know, she's a t- tall, blonde woman, you know, very, uh, very attractive. Uh, and Joan was, that was kind of Joan's presence. And that, stands, that was Stan's uh, uh, ideal woman. So between that and his daughter, Joni, who also kind of looks like Gwen. <laughs> there was a lot of psycho thing, psychodrama going on yeah. that made Stan sort of move to that. But as a character, Gwen never had, for me, any real uh, depth. Uh, right. She was basically the nice girl. You know, she mm-hmm. was a very sweet girl. She wasn't the girl that uh, we see in the uh, uh, we saw in the the two Amazing Spider-Man movies with yeah. uh, uh, Emma Stone. Yeah, she was. Uh, very bland. And mm-hmm. uh, so when I came on the book and we came to the decision point of uh, the, uh, following John Romita, suggesting that we kill off one of the characters to, you know, stir up reader interest. Right. Uh, you know, my vote was for Gwen. Uh, mm-hmm. John, John had suggested uh, Aunt May. Uh, and I, I just felt Aunt May was too integral yeah. to Peter's story. Uh, and, I, and, and as I say, I had a preference for Mary Jane. So yeah. uh, it was an easy call for me. The world would be a lot different if Stan married Anne Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you said you always loved Mary Jane as the love interest. I mean, you were the one that gave him his first kiss with her. Yeah, at the yeah. airport. I mean, boom. Yeah, that was a great yeah. first kiss, almost as good as the entrance. I thought. Well, again, you know what, what what makes it work so well is that you have these characters who have who have this kind of antagonistic, flirty uh, relationship that that. Uh, Really, is a pull me, pull, uh, pull me, push me yeah. kind of tension to it. So, you know, as opposed to Gwen, who, you know, was just sort of like very available and very yeah. romantically accessible. Mary Jane was was a was a, a get for Peter. No, no <laughs> doubt, out of his league. Yeah, yeah, and that <laughs> that makes the achievement of, of that goal for both of them. And 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 Peter, by the way, is a get for Mary Jane because. Mm-hmm. You know, her natural inclination would be to go for a Flash Thompson type person. Yeah, yeah. And both of them are are really reaching beyond themselves, and that makes it a very, you know, a, a very yeah. fulfilling relationship. Now, not only did you kill one lead Ditko creation with Gwen, you killed his arch enemy Norman Osborn. Not many that <laughs> that gets overlooked. I mean, talk about that. Yeah. I thought that was almost as that was more impactful. I thought than Gwen was. Well, I mean, what you have in that situation is. Mm-hmm. You've just raised the stakes yeah. for for Spider Man. Uh, you know this is this is supposedly the love of his life that dies uh, as a result of Norman's actions, 
and the punishment has to equal the crime. But at the same time, you you want Peter to not descend to that level. Yeah. So uh, it was a, it was a very carefully plotted and executed uh, execution, as it were. <laughs> there was thought in to fact, the execution. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we had to, we had the pages that Gil drew his original uh, uh, draft of that sequence. Uh, was redrawn because it uh, hadn't played, you know, with the, with the sufficient impact. Right. Uh, you know, when you're when you're turning a, a page, mm-hmm. I think in a in a character's story, you want to turn the page fully. And I also, honestly, knew that I would that this would provide me with the opportunity of, of turning Harry into a villain. Mm, yeah, it, that would make him a legacy uh, villain. Yeah, which, which yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, was there a plan to bring them both back? I mean, we did it with the clones, the first clone saga with Gwen. Uh, no, I, I my my theory of uh, at those at that at that time, mm-hmm. c- comics hadn't quite become the cliche that they are today in terms of <laughs> killing characters. Death off. is meaningless uh, now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, there had not been that very many Marvel characters who had died, mm-hmm. uh, and when they died, they stayed dead. Yeah. You know, Uncle Ben stayed dead. Uh, Captain Stacy stayed dead. Uh, uh, Johnny and Sue's father stayed dead. Yeah. You know, these these characters were supposed to be uh, mortal, and that that was that was always yeah. the plan. Uh, but Stan had such a negative reaction from received such a negative reaction from uh, uh, people when he was going on a sp- on speaking tours at colleges, which mm-hmm. you know he, he considered to be you know I mean, he was sort of. Trumpian in the sense that he loves rallies, <laughs> uh, and he he yeah. he really he really wanted to be loved by these people, yeah. and the fact that he was getting yelled at and attacked for the death of Gwen Stacy, which of course he claimed he had nothing to do with, uh, <laughs> made him crazy. And yeah. he said, "You know, you have to find some way to bring her back." And I said, "Stan, she's dead. Yeah. You can't bring her back. It would it would it would eviscerate the entire meaning of her death." Yeah. Uh, and so he came up with the. He said, "I don't really care how you do it." Uh, <laughs> and I said, "Well, if I kill her, if I bring her back, can I get rid of her again?" And he said, "Absolutely, just br- just bring her back." So, so, so I came up with the the clone idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and the result, uh, you know, was a storyline that then had its own repercussions. Yeah, no doubt. And that that wrapped up in one forty nine. I mean, you were one issue away from one fifty. Why did you walk away? Uh, well, I had actually I was leaving the company to go to work at uh, at DC, mm-hmm. and it it happened that uh, that was the issue. You know, I was going to be finished. You know, okay. with before I would uh, I would leave. Right. So I tried to tie it up as neatly as I could and give it like a thematic closure uh, before I left. Yeah. And a uh, couple issues after the death of Gwen, the Punisher. I mean, that's another thing that is the the popularity of that character. Are you just a ama- was was he just a, just here's here's another character I'm going to throw against a wall, I guess literally and see if it sticks. It's a Spider-Man book, but yeah, yeah. P- Punisher. Talk about about him. Are you amazed at that popularity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was the character was originally created as a sidekick for the Jackal, mm, and yep. was intended as a way to introduce the Jackal as uh, this master planner. Uh, dark figure behind the scenes and was initially conceived as a one-shot character. Uh, but as we developed yeah. the, the, the character over the course of uh, that, that uh, story, uh, 
you know, first by, you know, the, the costume design that looked so cool. No doubt. Uh, and then uh, coming up with the name. And in the writing of it, I just fell in love with the character. Yeah. You know, I thought, this guy's got real legs. Uh, and we decided to bring him back before we even had a, a, a sales figures on the book. Yeah. Uh, Seems so. like every year he came back when those early issues. Even, oh, yeah. after, even yeah. after you left, too. Yeah. Uh, another milestone is the Superman Spider-Man. I mean, that that I would think would be a huge task to, to tackle as a writer. Oh, it totally was. Yeah. Uh, it was... It was I, I'm glad that I didn't have to do any of the negotiating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make that happen. Wow! Uh, I, I just it was dropped in my lap uh, mm. through good fortune. That's a thud uh, was, when it hits your lap. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, one of one of the things that's that's always been true about me as a writer is that while I'm a huge fan, I am not an obsessive fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I look at I look at. Uh, comics as something to have have fun with you know yeah. uh to me it's it's uh, even the gwen stacy story as seriously as i took it yeah. i also saw it as a fun story you know uh it was intended to to pump you know make people excited you know uh, make them uh, angry you know get get some get some investment in the book but it was also you know if it if it treaded on toes yeah. i wasn't really worried about that uh, and the same thing with the Superman Spider-Man book. When, when I got the assignment, immediately I had people talking to me about, oh, how can this possibly work? You know, I mean, super, they live in two different universes. And, you know, you, are you going to have to have them, you know, like meet through some kind of uh, uh, trans-dimensional uh, 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 traveling thing? And, yeah. and then the Spider-Man is going to uh, not be as powerful as Superman. And, and Superman – and how – and I said, you know what? <laughs> I don't care. This is, this, is, this is a book in its own reality. Yeah. I am not going to try to explain it. It's about the fun experience of yeah. seeing those two characters on the page together those and their are, supporting yeah. cast characters. You know, it's it's not supposed to be real, kids. Exactly. <laughs> oh, don't tell them that. They'll, they'll riot. <laughs> uh, th- you worked with three amazing artists uh, on your amazing run. Romita, Gil Kane, and Ross Andrew. Uh, sh- yeah. Can you share uh, your best memory of each of them? Well, yes. Uh, f- first of all, uh, John Romita was my yep. mentor. Uh, yeah. He... Uh, it basically taught me how to plot a Spider-Man book. Uh, the two of us worked very closely on the issues we did together, uh, with John in a senior position, you know, sort of helping me out. And, you know, when I think back now, you know, uh, how weird it must've been (laughs) for every, everybody that I worked with, because I was a kid, I was like 19 years old. (laughs) And, you know, John at that point was, uh, I guess in his forties, late forties, yeah. and uh, you know, to be to to be in a position of, of working with this kid must have been very surreal to him. Um, so you know, I would go out to his house and we would plot stories. We'd meet for coffee at the office and plot stories. And he he really taught me how to how to do it. Yeah, uh, Gil, uh, who, who was the next artist, was a bit more hands off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gil was a, uh, I, I learned very quickly that with Gil, you had to, pl- you had to give him a very detailed, uh, plot because he had a tendency to, uh, spend a lot of time developing the first half of the story 
you know, putting in a lot of details, a lot yeah. of uh, incidents, and then rush to finish up the story in the last five pages. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> he, so, he crammed that, for the test or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just, you know, was, pacing was not his strong suit. So yeah. I, I learned how to work with him on that. But he was a, such an elegant gentleman. He was yeah. so intimidating. Uh, he always showed up in a suit and tie, uh, <laughs> you know, was, was uh, like this, this baronial figure. Uh, very mature and yeah. uh, very very sweet, you know. To very nice. very nice guy to me. The next one uh, is criminally underrated, I think. Ross Andrew. Oh, Ross Andrew. I love his Ross, stuff. Yeah, I mean, Ross was, I think, and this is not saying anything against either of the two yeah. other artists that I worked with uh, in that run. Uh, was the best cartoonist storyteller. Mm-hmm. of the bunch uh he could take a, a he and i were, were understood each other's approach to the storytelling so uh innately you know yeah. that it, it just worked brilliantly uh yeah. the my favorite anecdote about ross is that he did a lot of uh uh photo uh uh referencing for mm-hmm. his his the work in the book and once we realized that we really wanted to set this in New York, you know that that, it, that the city was going to be uh, a vital part of our our particular stories. He would go around and take photographs of locations. <laughs> yeah. You know that I would I would come up with a location that I thought would be cool. Like you know let's let's do something on the Seventh Avenue L. And Ross would go and hang off the side of buildings, you know, <laughs> so you could get an angle for for a shot. Yeah. And uh, I at at that time I lived. On the Upper West Side, in the area that, uh, uh, in an area that, that had a similar kind of setup, you know, as as uh, Peter's apartment. In fact, the whole joke about Peter <laughs> be, being able to see the the West uh, the Hudson River from his from his window if he leaned out and looked to the light. That was my house. That was my apartment. Oh, that's funny. Uh, did you did you have a Miss Muggins? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> But 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 Ross uh, yeah. Ross came came over. We, we we used to have dinner, and he he came over to my uh, place, and we went up to the roof of my building, and he took photographs from my roof that we <laughs> later used in the story. Nice uh, in the, in the various stories that we did together. That's so, so cool. He was very committed. Yeah. Uh, talk a bit about what's different about writing in the seventies, eighties, and today. Because you've oh, been in, wow. you've been in all three. Yeah, I would say uh, well. I can only speak from my own personal yeah. uh, viewpoint. I mean, I did not know what I was doing in the 70s. <laughs> I was very much writing seat of my pants, yeah. uh, you know, from issue to issue. I was uh, in the 70s, uh, I gradually took on more, so much work that I don't, I, I, at one point I was doing five or six books a month. Wow. Uh, and, you can't really do a, a, a concentrate equally on everything in, that, in those cases. So, you know, I'd say maybe two of the books were books that I really, really paid a lot of attention to, and two were that I gave, you know, gave my best professional shot to, and yeah. the other two were basically books that I ground out <laughs> as quickly as I could. Spider-Man was uh, one you cared about, I would oh, suspect. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm talking about my post-Marvel Oh, okay. Oh, mostly, gotcha. uh, yeah. you know, when I went back to uh, when I went full time to DC, yeah. I was uh, you know on contract with them for uh, I think 150 pages of writing a month, mm-hmm. and uh, 
That's a lot of writing. No doubt. But uh, at, at Marvel, it was, you know, it was a learn as you go. As I yeah. say, uh, I started with them when I was probably uh, 17 mm. uh, and uh, was working full time, you know, by the time I was 18. And then, you know, writing four top books, you know, yeah. uh, through my early 20s. What about today? Uh, What's different today? Well, today I've I've got forty seven or forty nine years of experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I I like to think I know more about what I'm doing. Yeah. The other the other thing that from from the exterior, just talking generally about about comic books. Yeah. Uh, the self awareness factor uh, is much higher now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when we were doing comics in the late sixties, early seventies, we were writing for ourselves as much as anybody else um we didn't know uh, the readership was very different from the readership today i'd say 80 percent of the readers 90 percent of the readers were uh fly by night you know yeah people who picked up the book uh, you know read them for a couple of years and then left uh the big change came in the mid 70s when you started going to the direct sale market and you started having to aim books more and more towards comic book fans yeah. Uh, and by the 80s, you had books that were being produced primarily for a readership that uh, uh, was very anal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, yeah. <laughs> you know, very, very much the fan base, yeah. you know, the hardcore fan base. And through the 90s and through the early 2000s, I think that was the dominant you know, uh, yeah. marketplace. Gotcha. Now, because of the the advent of, of the movies that have have come across, uh, both companies are discovering that their readership is much less fan based than it was before. Mm. Uh, there are more people who are charmed by comics are coming to them in some cases with the experience of seeing the movies or the television shows yeah. and don't have the, 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 the merciless, <laughs> you know, investment in prior continuity yeah. that, uh, the, the longtime readers have. So we as, as, as creators now, I think are more self-aware of, uh, our relationship to our, our readers than we were in the early seventies. Right. And, I think it's for, for the best. Yeah. A couple more points I've got before we hit the message boards. Uh, you returned uh, back in uh, 1988 to Web and Spectacular. And right. uh, you had a lot more creations. Uh, you had the Tombstone, which I love. Uh, you made Thank Betty you. Brant a reporter, which I love. And that's still being done today. Yeah. Uh, not all of them lasted, though. Banjo and Abner. Remember that one? God. <laughs> that was real quick. That was such a weird story. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, a lot of those stories in the in the eighties are a bit of a blur for me. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, they they were back uh, in the Ozarks or wherever they were from. Um, yeah, Banjo and Kazuti. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was there was uh, Burt Reynolds was back there somewhere with Ned Beatty. Uh, uh, Parallel Lives. That was a big retcon in the eighties, making Mary yeah. Jane know all the way back to Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Talk yeah. about that. Why you did that? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, no. Part of it was that was a kind of a, a thematic thing that was going on at the time. Yeah. You know, where where as I say, we we were doing a lot of fan service, and 
part of the fan service was tying things together, you know, tying this, this loose end together with that loose end, create a new picture. Uh, and I guess the notion was, you know, this, this kind of, uh, I, I think I was also trying to, to answer the continuing echo of people who were angry about Gwen Stacy being killed off, mm. that this was a story which, which I wanted to say, in effect, this was destiny, people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, this, this was inevitable. Right. Get over yourselves. You know. Yeah. Like, do so you regret I think, that? I mean, I loved it personally. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of do. I mean, yeah. in the sense that I think anything that ties you that that uh, that, that makes that need a package, mm-hmm. you know, takes some of the serendipity out of yeah. out of events. But it worked uh, for me as a longtime fan. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it has you know, great uh, Alex Savick art in it too. Oh yeah, love yeah. it. And the, and the other thing is too, the way that all of these stories are now being approached at yeah. Marvel, at least, is that uh, things are uh, things are canon if we're say that if we say they're canon. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Give it a week; uh, it might not, not be. Yeah. Yeah, we're really not. And I and I remember talking to some writers about this a few years back, where writers were just like horrified by this notion. But I actually embrace it. I think it's a great way to approach it. it it's sort of like the way things were at DC in the early uh, uh, 60s mm-hmm. uh, and at Marvel in the early 60s, which was you know, stuff sh- shifted back and forth. There, you know, there were contradictory, contradictory stories. And part of that was because we were feeling our way or the, or the creators were feeling their way to something. Yeah. And that's a really good process. Yeah. Uh, when you're held to a, a firm understanding of, that everything has to fit. Yeah. It becomes a straitjacket for creativity. Uh, any Spider-Man fan is obsessed with Steve Ditko. And yeah. you worked with him on Web of Spider-Man Annual 5. It was a mm-hmm. Captain Universe story. And <laughs> I haven't read it but I, uh, in, in years, but it was Spider-Man's professor, Evan Swan. So do you, right. have, a, do you have a good Ditko story? Well, I actually have... A- Yes, but it's not not a base around Spider Man. Okay, um, I actually worked with Steve three times. Oh wow! Uh, I, didn't know I, that. I worked. Yeah, I worked with him at Atlas Comics uh, on a, a a series called uh, Tiger Man, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I did like two issues of that, uh, and then I worked with him on that uh, Captain Universe. Yeah, and I also worked with him on uh, Man Bat. At mm. DC Comics, right. and that was where I actually, when I was editing uh, for DC, uh, I, pr- I pitched the idea of the Man Bat first issue special, and wanted to get Steve uh, to do it. I just thought it would this would be awesome, you mm-hmm. know, Steve Ditko uh, doing Man Bat, and so I called him. Mm. He came into the office. He was a very nice, quiet man. I fulfilled my childhood dream of meeting <laughs> Steve Ditko. He drew the issue, yeah. and then he called me and said he never wanted to work for DC again. <laughs> That's like getting one date with the girl in, in college. Yeah. You got he one. Said, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Oh, you know? man. Man. Well, I mean, you did the impossible, or your editors did. You got Steve Ditko's work in a Spider-Man annual or a Spider-Man book. Well, that was Jim, Jim uh, Salakrup who did it. Yeah. And, uh, I bet you Steve was ticked about that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, Steve. Steve strikes me as a guy who's both very, uh, well, you know, he, he he carries grudges, obviously, but yeah. he he's also a very practical guy. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he did work for Marvel again, you know, doing Machine yeah. Man and various things. Speedball uh, and ROM. Yeah. 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 You know, so he, it, this, it, it's it's not – I'm really not sure what goes on in his head. Nobody actually No, is. man. I, very, I would love to interview him. Very odd guy. Love. Yeah. I, I would just like the one rejection like you did. <laughs> uh, one, yeah. Another obscure one, uh, one of our panelists that's been on our, our uh, podcast for 10 years – is J.R. Fettinger, and you worked with him in the book Web Slinger, where it was a bunch of essays. Right. And he wrote the essay Spider-Man, The Absent Father, and Spider-Man's Unfulfilled Potential. You you gave us a Ditko story. Do you have a J.R. story? <laughs> no, actually, I don't. I mean, I did the I, – I worked as a, quote, editor on that book, uh-huh. but I actually – my, my actual uh, involvement was uh, to write introductions uh, and an and, – and, 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 and a general introduction to the book uh-huh. uh, after the essays had already been uh, selected and uh, and uh, uh, edited. So mm-hmm. I actually don't I, – I never met any of the people involved <laughs> except the people who I had already known. Right. And uh, I don't have – I'm afraid I don't have a story. He, of, he uh, is our, our quote-unquote spider historian on our oh. show. So <laughs> – all right, that's all my questions. Let me get to the message board. We're going to do these a uh, speed round. Okay. Uh, this is called uh, Big Al has a question uh, to Mr. Conway. What are your thoughts and feelings? What were your thoughts and feelings were, were going through the mind of Mary Jane when she closed the door in Amazing One Twenty Two? Ah, uh, well, my th- I think Peter's words really hit home for her. Uh, she, uh, my, my feeling about Mary Jane was always that. Her uh, outward behavior was a was a uh, defense uh, yeah. for uh, an inward darkness, and in that moment, she she realized that she couldn't keep up the facade. Uh, that to be really to be a true friend, she needed to be there for him. Yeah. So He's, he says, "I would also like to thank you for your contributions to Spider-Man, as I think the wall crawler wouldn't have lasted this long without you." And, uh, and on a personal note, you were incredibly res- indirectly responsible for the 90s clone saga, which got me into Spider-Man. So thank you for that. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> good or bad? He's welcome. Fron- he's welcome. <laughs> Frontier, Mr. Conway with Mary Jane joining Peter as a superhero and Renew Your Vows. Do you feel that turning love interests and supporting characters into superheroes is the only way to make or keep them relevant to said hero's narrative? Uh, not necessarily. No, I don't. Uh, I, I, I think that one thing that that needs to be relevant is that they they have to have an honest relationship and yeah. uh, you know you can't uh, you can't keep those secrets and in fact i think it's 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 inherently one of the problems with uh, uh, the superhero model that fortunately the the movies and TV shows have generally managed to avoid uh, which is you know the the lying to your loved ones yeah. <laughs> scenario. <laughs> So yeah. I, I think it's I think there are other ways to keep those characters interesting and involved uh, rather than just being women in refrigerators. <laughs> Lava one twenty one, Mr. Conway, how's it back? How is it jumping back into the world of Spider Man? Was it difficult, or is it like riding a bike again? Uh, it's both. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's difficult because I'm 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 definitely trying to up my game from where it was. Uh, 20, pl- 20 plus years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and th- that's a challenge, and it's and it's part of the reason I'm doing it. Is it's like, there's some so so much really fine writing 
that's been done with that, that character uh, and that universe over the last uh, four decades. Yeah. Uh, from this people, you know, like uh, uh, Len and Marv and uh, Len Wein and Marv Wolfman, uh, yeah. Archie Goodwin, uh, you know, going on up to uh, Roger Stern and uh, uh, Michelini uh, and uh, uh, Straczynski. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, with Michael ben- uh, uh, Brian Bendis and, yeah. uh, and Dan Slott. Uh, I, I really, I am, you know, it was one thing to follow Stan where, <laughs> you know, when I took over, I think Stan was on a, was not at the peak of his performance. Mm. So I, I had, you know, if, if I was taking over from Stan in, in 1965, I would have been royally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a quote. <laughs> but taking over from Stan in, in 1972 was a little yeah. easier because he, his, his his lack of focus on the material had, was it was yeah. made it easier for me to come in and and do well. But you know I'm competing now with people like Bendis and and Schlott, you know who are uh, a slot who are who are really at the top of their games. So uh, I have to work hard to, to match them. I I think you're doing just fine personally. Uh, Sector zero five four seven. As being known as the guy who k- killed Gwen Stacy, do you feel that with the numerous revivals Gwen has been given over the years, that the death of Gwen Stacy no longer has the same impact as it originally oh, did? Oh no, no. I think it. I think it. It's it's one of the two formative experiences for yep. for Peter Parker. Uncle, so no, Uncle I don't. Uncle Ben think and Gwen. Yep. Yeah, and I love Gwen. I, I love the the the, uh, the Spider Gwen series. I think oh, yeah. that's a wonderful wonderful way to reintegrate her into the that that Marvel is universe. more Emma Stone, I think, than anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's definitely the influence of Emma Stone's interpretation. If you know, that was is, the is character, I don't think you would have ever killed her off. <laughs> oh no. Well, yeah. I, I still I still might have. Or, or yeah. what I I mean, the thing is, it it would have been harder to justify it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a different time. Yeah. Uh, T gone 5679. After the death of Norman, was the idea to make Harry the new goblin for the long term? I'm curious about that since writers, other writers, would not use Harry as a villain until J.M.D. Mateus in 91. And thank you for your great contributions to Spidey over the years. Well, I actually did think that Harry should be the, the ongoing uh, Green Goblin villain. Uh, the question would be how you, how you would play him when he wasn't the goblin. Yeah, uh, you know, right. and I think Stan inadvertently had given me the, a great hook into it with uh, using the unnamed psychedelic drugs that that uh, <laughs> yeah. Harry had had gotten involved with. Right. Uh, I had actually, uh, while Stan probably has never seen a psychotropic drug, <laughs> I had actually I had actually done psychotropic drugs myself and had experienced really bad. Uh, uh, after trips, you know, for, wow. from my my trip, so I actually kind of identified with what Harry was going through, and I could see how that could turn into a psychosis. Yeah. The roommate, so, the roommate uh, from hell, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought it would be very good for keeping going as a as a ongoing uh, uh, potential yeah. ongoing menace. Spider Eric says, if the Renew Your Vows series takes off, and you were offered the writing position. On the main book, to continue the story, would you take it, or are you more interested in writing smaller Spider-Man arcs? Uh, well, it is going to be an ongoing book, so yeah. I, I, I expect to be doing it, hopefully, as long as the readers keep buying it. Um, 
I think it's I think it's good that it exists in its own world. Yeah. Uh, and I think Dan is doing a terrific job with the, the main book. You know, I mean, people get upset with. Uh, you know, and I teased them a little bit in the first issue, uh, but th- they, they get upset with the temporary changes that go on with Peter. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a necessary thing to do. You know, you can't uh, read, readers want novelty, and yeah. uh, you know, you go back and forth, and, and the various changes that Dan has done. People, it, what's funny is uh, there's always these these uh, message board anger against Dan stuff, Mm -hmm. but his stuff sells fabulously well. That is true. That is true. You can't, he must be doing something right. He's ticking them off, but they're buying. I will admit that. (laughs) I mean, my only, that's, that's a different topic, but my only complaint is I think the current book is far too far. It's too far away from the default. Uh, He's more of a Bruce Wayne or a uh, Tony Stark character at the moment. But, but I would say, you know, yeah. taking taking of these things in, in a long view, yeah. this, this is a setup for a fall. This exactly. is my guess. I mean, you see you it know? coming. I agree. Yeah, yeah. and and the, the, what what's great about that is that when the character falls, then you've got a place for him to move from that. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> if right. if Peter is con- one of my concerns uh, mm-hmm. doing the book that I'm doing right. is I've established sort of a a worldview of of Peter and Mary Jane and. Uh, their kind of ordinary life, but that is not going to be able to be. I'm not going to be able to maintain that for right. more than about a year and a half or so right. before I'm going to have to come up with something to to shake things up. Right. And uh, you know, then people are going to be angry at me. <laughs> <laughs> Lord help us if you kill Mary Jane. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, the family dynamic is the core yeah. of that book. So yeah, exactly. I'm not going to do anything like that. But but there's obviously got to be. You know, right. there's going to be trouble in the in the future. I'm sure. For uh, you killed both of the greatest love interests. <laughs> that would be something. I tell no, you. No, I won't. A- do it. <laughs> Adam S. from uh, San Diego, California, your neck of the woods. Uh, besides uh, the night Gwen Stacy died, what other contributions during your time as a Spider-Man writer do you hope you're remembered for the most? Well, obviously the Punisher. Uh, yeah. That that's something. I also think I, I'd also like people to 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 remember. Uh, how how much fun Spidey can be yeah. when he's a ground level superhero, mm-hmm. uh, and by that I mean you know when he's got his his uh, this Dick Tracy esque rogues gallery of villains, yeah. uh, the best in comics. You know, yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons that I'm really enjoying renew your vows and what 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 Ryan and I are looking forward to doing is is sort of uh, reintroducing those characters as real threats. You know, for the most part. Those characters have become, you know, uh, kind of the butt of jokes. Uh, you know, the whole uh, uh, superior uh, uh, spider villains, uh, which I which I loved. You know, that that series. Yeah. Remember the series where the B the B listers were. Uh, oh yeah, superior hang, foes. Hang out together. Superior yeah, superior foes. foes. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, loved that series. Me but, too. But 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 the but the implication of it is kind of sad because when yeah. you come down to it, that bar that they all hung out with was filled with villains who who were sufficiently menacing mm-hmm. to 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 endanger Spider-Man for a couple of issue storylines in the in, yeah. in the in the 70s and 80s. And that limits so, it just to the Lee and Ditko ones created. Yeah, and I mean, and yeah. the later ones. Right. I mean, the shock the shocker for all the you know, the jokes about the shocker, the shocker was a villain. You know, yep. he was, he was a, an effective villain. Molten Man was an effective villain. Right. Uh, the, the Beetle was an effective villain. You know, they've sort of become 
you know, b- bit of bit of uh, subjects of mockery, and I think right. that's a, I think that's something that that we're going to try to address in that's cool. uh, Renew Your Vows. That's cool. Uh, Mr. Cheese has a question about uh, you left Spidey and quit writing comics in the late 80s and early 90s to write for TV. What was it that brought you back to comics, and specifically Spider-Man? Uh, well, I I retired from writing TV back around 2006, mm-hmm. and that was after a five-year run uh, on uh, Law & Order Criminal Intent. Mm-hmm. That was uh, one of the most... Uh, uh, <laughs> financially rewarding and uh, psychically distressing experiences <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, when I was finished with that, I basically had writer's block for about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go near writing. I didn't want to uh, think about writing. You know, I played world of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. Shut down, you know? Yeah. Uh, but slowly I, 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 Got drawn back into it, you know. I was I was uh, uh, approached by Jim Salakrup, who uh, was my editor on Spider-Man, to do some uh, Hardy Boys comics uh, for him at Paper Cuts, and I I did them, and I had a lot of fun doing them. Mm. And then I pitched an idea for a series to DC, and they said sure. You know, it was the last days of uh, Animal Man, mm. uh, and then I was having dinner with uh, Joe Casada and uh, he said to me so why you know wh- wh- is there any uh, possibility that that you might be interested in doing some work for us at some point mm. and i was like yeah you know sure you That's know cool. uh, let me let me know and then one thing led to another uh, yeah. It's very cool uh mr starkiller uh from uh, rio de janeiro we're international questions now uh, your run on Amazing Spider-Man is considered one of the best that there is in Spider-Man's history. However, what else would you have done to the franchise if you stayed on the book a little longer? Oh, you know, I can't answer that question honestly because mm-hmm. the way that I the way that I was working at that time was very much seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I had this technique of throwing in uh, uh, crumbs that I would later pick up and, and, uh, feed off of as I, as I continued. Uh, and I never really had a long-term plan. I, I remember it's about back when I came in, into comics in the eighties, uh, and was talking to, to some people about the, their projects. And somebody was talking about, uh, their two year plan for a book. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> I got a two-month like plan, a, man. <laughs> yeah, I have a two-month plan. Maybe a three-month if I'm really pushing it. Uh, you know, I think the longest storyline that I ever conceived of for Spider-Man was the Tombstone storyline. Yeah, and that's I, great. I knew that. Yeah, and that was to answer a, a, a technical problem or that I I wanted uh, something that I could do over. I had I had set up this idea that I wanted to write web and uh, uh, spectacular as a bi-weekly comic book mm. where the story would, would take place, you know, and continue through both books. Yeah. And while there may be uh, other things happening in the books that are just specific to web and specific to spe- uh, spectacular, that there would be an ongoing story. Yeah. And that, that led me into plotting out what amounted to 
I don't know, a 12, 13 issue storyline. Right. Uh, but even that was something that I developed as I was going along. Mm-hmm. So I can't honestly say what my what my plans would have been. Next one is a weird handle, frickin' clown shoes is the guy's <laughs> name. Uh he talks about Gwen and Norman's death and considering that it was such a turning point. What, uh, what are your thoughts uh, had they not occurred? And would your run, uh, what would your Spidey run look like if you hadn't killed Gwen and, and Norman? It would, I, that's, a, that's a good question. I, yeah. think, I think I probably still would have found a way for Peter and Mary Jane to get together. Uh, I might have yeah. written Gwen out, you know, in some way. Uh, in a more traditional manner. Uh, and then, you know, people could have come back in and reworked Gwen back into the story. And, uh, you know, it would have been a kind of the cliched, you know, yeah. uh, lover's triangle. Right. Uh, Alistair says, uh, what's your favorite Spider-Man story that another writer wrote? Oh, uh, well, without, without question, my favorite all-time Spider-Man story is the Master Planner oh, yeah. uh, sequence uh, nice. that Stan Stan did around the issue thirty, or uh, yeah, I think it was in the twenties, something like that. Right. Uh, just a great, great storyline. No doubt. A Wolf Cipher says, uh, "I don't have a question that hasn't been asked a hundred times, so I want to thank <laughs> you for your work on Carnage." It was ah. refreshing seeing the character used in a new ways, and especially thanks for your characterization of Eddie Brock. I agree. I rather like this take on Brock. Eddie's always written as either psychotic or just plain dumb. But you made him kind of a jock, which strangely makes him fun. I'm, yeah. rooting, I'm rooting for your new Renew Your Vows to be a top ten book in the comic sales. And also, thank you for killing Gwen, a fan, is what he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. He's welcome. There you go. Uh, Michael Reed, uh, if you could tell your past self one thing, what would it be? Also, thank you for killing Norman. Harry is much better. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess it depends on which past self. <laughs> the one from uh, the, one from the uh, early 70s, I would tell him to relax. <laughs> <laughs> Just chill, yeah. Uh, let's see. Aziz, uh, what would you have done if you wrote Amazing 150? If you wrote it instead of Archie Goodwin, did you want Peter to doubt how genuine he is or realize he's the genuine article? You know, I don't think I would have done what Archie did, but I'm really glad that he did. uh, Because that's really where the the clone story comes from. You know, the the clone conspiracy, the the clone saga comes off of Archie's questioning of, am I the real person? Yep. because without that, you know, you've, you, you, you're, it's kind of cut and dried. For, right. In, in, in 49, well, you've been getting a lot of guff off of Archie's uh, one book, haven't you? All these years, <laughs> you've been taking the hit. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think Archie's, uh, it was a brilliant take. And, yeah. uh, you know, it shows his maturity as a writer yeah. as opposed to mine. Because, you know, it never even occurred to me that there could be an existential <laughs> uh, issue with that. And Aziz says to me, he says, did you know... Uh, Jerry's daughter said, Dad, you suck, after seeing the moment of Gwen Stacy's death in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Is that true? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she knew it was coming, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's... that's, that's Everybody knew. Kind of like Titanic sinking, you know? (laughs) Well, what's fascinating is I got to experience that the way that, that, uh, in real time, the way it must have actually felt to the readers at the time. Yeah. Because half of the people in the theater didn't know it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. We were in a, uh, a premiere 
uh, at the premiere. And I would say at, at least half of the people there were not comic book fans, yeah. had no, no prior knowledge what was going to go, go on. And there were audible gasps of horror and, and cries of, oh, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> they were sad Emma Stone was dying, not Gwen Stacy, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, lock- that, that was Gwen Stacy as far as they were concerned. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, lockdown. I've loved your work for years. So welcome back to Peter and Mary Jane's world or art- alternate world, he says. My question is finding characters' voices. What goes into finding the character's voice for Annie? After reading the first issue, she sounds like my own niece. She's completely <laughs> into playing around with tech, loves sports, and likes creating costumes or fashions. And same goes for Mary Jane now that she's a mom and business owner on the side. Well, a writer is always basically using using elements of themselves. Uh, yeah. But I also had the, the privilege of raising two daughters. So right. <laughs> I, I can remember how they, you know, the way they talk and the way they think. Uh, you know, and the way we interacted as, as parent and child, uh, and, uh, you know, the way that, uh, my wives, uh, reacted, you know, to those kids, uh, <laughs> growing up. Yeah. And I try to t- take and synthesize all of that through my own, you know, you, Experience, what, 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 as yeah. a writer, yeah, as a writer, you're always trying to, you're performing the characters, you know, yeah. you're, you're saying, how would I react in this situation if I was this person? With this set of experiences, the right. toughest thing for me is I'm, I'm writing issue. Uh, I just finished writing issue three, uh, which is told from uh, Annie's point of view, uh, mm-hmm. and writing her captions was really hard mm. because I'm trying to write an eight-year-old's yeah. uh, voice right. and her limited her limited perspective on things and her kind of uh, uh, overly dramatic. <laughs> Right. Sense of herself and reality. I, yeah, that, that would be hard. I would think you'd have to hang out with eight-year-olds or something, I mean, to get a voice. Well, fortunately, head. I know some. And I, okay. <laughs> and I have an inner eight-year-old, so. Oh, there you <laughs> <laughs> I can't say this other guy's handle, Yvonne Muckakikluck. That okay. sounds like a cuss word somewhere. Um, Mr. Conway, I'm a big fan of how you were able to bring in other heroes and your stories without overshadowing Peter. I'm curious if we might see some cameos from other heroes and renew your vows, maybe even a good old-fashioned team-up. Oh, yeah. I th- uh, well, what's great about that world is uh, we get to play with everybody in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, and this is a world where Civil War didn't happen. Uh, it's a world, and that's why, of course, you know, we didn't need brand new day. Uh, and it's a world in which, uh, uh, the, the devastation of the regent, uh, the, 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 the renew your vows miniseries didn't happen either. Uh, it's a slightly different universe. You know, it's not, it's not the dystopian universe that regent created, yeah. Uh, it's sort of more in line with the events of the uh, mainstream Spider-Man book. Right. Uh, you know how how that played out uh, in quote you know our world. Yeah, uh, many, many fans wish Brand New Day did not happen. <laughs> so I, I mean, uh, you brought Mary Jane back essentially. I mean, well, I didn't. Dan, Dan did. Dan did, and credit, you know. that's true. That's true. Well, you you made him have a first kiss with her, so I'll I'll, I'll give you credit back there in the seventies. Uh, let's see, we've got Spidey Dude uh, from Texas. Uh, did you ever think we would still be talking about clones thirty years later? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never thought we'd be talking about any of this stuff thirty years later. <laughs> 
And uh, last question from Utah, Alma43. With all the new Secret Wars, uh, which led to this new series, I've been a bit confused with what is the main universe continuity. Is it 616, and what is part of the other universes that I thought Secret Wars was actually supposed to get rid of? Whichever universe, Land, World, your Carnage series, which I have been a huge fan of since number one, is in, will you be doing a crossover with the that universe's Spider-Man? I think... Carnage is in 616, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he's confused about uh, Renew Your Vows. That's a whole separate universe. Right. With right. a separate Carnage. Exactly. <laughs> With a, oh, it has a, it's Carnage there, too. Oh, yeah. All right. That is the last question from the message board. Let's let's uh, talk about what you've got coming up. Carnage, which is Carnage. a great, great book. You're doing a great Thank job. Thank you. And We're going to be uh, c- concluding the uh, current storyline in issue 16. Mm-hmm. So everybody should go out and pre-order that as soon as possible. Nice. Uh, and uh, renew your vows is uh, is an ongoing. So you know, yeah. keep keep buying it. You know, we're having been, a lot of fun with it. People have been wanting a married Mary Jane and Peter back, so they need to support it with their wallet. That's right. So, Jerry, uh, you, I, you interview your heroes every now and then, and sometimes they disappoint, sometimes they don't, and you did not. Jerry, you. I, you, were, you were such an honor. I've been a fan for uh, years, so thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Thanks a lot, Brad. Mm-hmm.